You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the book of Psalms in chapter 63. I'll be reading verses 1 through 8. I'll be reading from the Good News Translation. You can follow along in your pew Bibles on page 633 of the Old Testament, or you can follow along with the screen for today's reading this morning. David the psalmist gives the people of God these words, O God, you are my God, and I long for you. My whole being desires you. Like a dry, worn-out, and waterless land, my soul is thirsty for you. Let me see you in the sanctuary. Let me see how mighty and glorious you are. Your constant love is better than life itself, and so I will praise you. I will give you thanks as long as I live. I will raise my hands to you in prayer. My soul will feast and be satisfied, and I will sing glad songs of praise to you. As I lie in bed, I remember you. All night long, I think of you, because you have always been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. I cling to you, and your hand keeps me safe. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. So one of the long-standing traditions of leadership training camp at Lake Ponset is their Western night. And it only stopped because our favorite square dance caller retired from square dance calling. So the Western night was a big deal. It was a a night of dress-up, as you can see on the screen this morning. And it was also a night where we all learned how to square dance at church camp. And I know you might think that a group of teenagers would balk or roll their eyes at the idea of square dancing, but we really did get into it. And really, it became the second favorite night only after the Wacky Olympics, which also came with a themed dress-up night based on what, ca- what cabin you were in, and then a night full of wacky and, and, and fun games. Now, allegedly, the nice thing about square dancing is that once you learn all of the steps, all you have to do is listen to the caller and then follow the steps. And I have to tell you that the caller we had before he retired was so patient and so gracious to deal with all of us at our varying levels of talent when it comes to listening and following the directions. And I say that allegedly square dancing is easy and you just have to listen and follow um, because the square that I was a part of, well, we could never really get it together. It never really worked out for us. We were so bad that our guest speaker, a woman named Stephanie Caro, who to this very day is a dear friend of mine, called us the bless your heart square. And you have to know that Steph Caro is from Katy, Texas, and down in Texas that phrase means something. She was making a statement when she called us the bless your heart square, and it was not a kind statement. Because if you don't know, now you know that bless your heart means something to the effect of, oh, you little fool, how cute of you to try. 
I'm not a square dancer. I tried really, really hard, but I was a part of the bless your heart square. But if you're not in the South, you might not notice that because we use the word bless for everything. The word blessed has come to mean so many different things that it can actually have the uh, opposite desired effect of meaning nothing at the same time. It's a word that we use so frequently that its actual meaning or distinct meaning can be completely lost by the number of things that we use it for. If someone sneezes, you say, bless you, right? If something good happens to us, we're quick to take a picture of it and post it to our Instagram with the hashtag, hashtag blessed. I got an extra french fry in my order of curly fries, hashtag blessed. I went to work today and hit all the green lights and none of the red lights, hashtag blessed. We use this phrase over and over and over again. I like the way that Elizabeth Caldwell, the author of the book Pause, which we're using for our Bible study this Lenten season, puts it as she writes, I wonder about the intention or feeling behind blessing. Does it carry more significance than a familiar way to respond? Has it become a way to acknowledge our faith or belief? Or when it is written, does it have any feeling or expression behind it? Or is it just something that we say when we don't know what else there is to say? Oh, bless you. Someone tells us something that's from the very depth of our heart and we're uncomfortable with how much they've just shared with us. And so we say, bless you. Like not in the Steph Caro type of a way, but just in a way where we don't really know what else to say. So we just say, bless you, and hope that God will take care of it. And like, fair, (laughs) But surely there has to be more to this idea of being blessed. There has to be more to this word that David uses in our scripture as he talks about the blessings of his life and talks about his desire to bless God as long as he lives. He's not saying an empty phrase. He's not saying a word that means something and nothing. When David talks about blessing. He is acknowledging God in his midst. He is acknowledging that God is with him in the midst of everything he goes through, and he is giving appropriate adoration to God for God's goodness as he has experienced it. David is talking about noticing God with him in the moments of peace and the moments of challenge. And David is talking about the resulting confidence and hope that comes from God's blessing being on him. But that's a very different situation than when we find him in Psalm 63. As we have seen in the past couple of weeks of the season of Lent, as we've talked about the Psalms, David is reflecting in the wilderness of Judah. But unlike the last couple of weeks where we didn't quite exactly know when David was talking about, we have a reasonable assumption when it comes to Psalm 63. In certain translations, there are superscripts given to the Psalms, and Psalm 63 points out that he is in the wilderness of Judah. And as we might know from David's life during his reign as king, he had to flee from Jerusalem into the wilderness of Judah because the people of God had been turned against him. The people of God lost their favor with David and it all happened because of David's own son, Absalom. 
And so David is running for his life. David has fled Jerusalem. David is cast off from the people that he is leading, and honestly, he is uncertain of what's going to happen next. And truthfully, it's because David is facing the consequences of his own actions. If you were with us on Ash Wednesday, you'll know that we talked about Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51 is the aftermath of David's affair with Bathsheba and everything that happened with Uriah and all of the fallout of that situation. And what we learn about as we learn about that situation is that God, through a prophet called Nathan, told David that his life was going to be difficult and told David that part of his difficulty was going to come from his own family. And here we have the upstart rebellion of David's own son, Absalom. So with so much uncertainty around him, how would you expect David to respond? Would you expect David to respond with cries of how unfair this is? Would you expect David to respond by complaining to God that what he's facing is the opposite of what a blessed and beloved king should have to put up with? Would you expect David to respond with words of mourning or words of stress or words of absolutely just trying to figure out how we got here to the point of David just having nothing more than stunned silence before God? That's how I have to respond. But what we find with David, what we find David doing is seeking God even more, of straining to somehow be even closer to the presence of God. Psalm 63 begins with these words, O God, you are my God, and I long for you. And then a few verses later, I will give you thanks as long as I live. It is as if David is completely unfazed by all that's happening around him. It's as if David is unfazed by this threat to his kingdom. And he's perfectly at ease with this threat not coming from a rival nation, but from his own son. In one of the commentaries I read this week, it said that it is as if David has been filled to full with the best food available that his safety is assured and he's using these familiar pictures of God's wings and God's hands to make his gratitude evident. Even now, David realizes his blessedness. Even now, he knows he has been blessed by God and he is saying so, so that maybe someone who is with him can also get on board and have this confidence and return blessings to God in kind. But if I'm being completely honest, at my most human level, I find David's response to be a bit unexpected. If I were faced with similar circumstances, I don't know if I would have a song of confidence in me or praises to God in my lips. I think that we are much more likely to bless God when things are good and life is easy. When our square dance partner can pull off an Alaman left with a right and left grand. 
It is easier for us to bless God when God blesses us with security and success and full stomachs. But that isn't where David finds himself this morning. Yet his words are praise. Yet his words are words of blessing. Yet he has this divine confidence of his deliverance, not from just this time of trouble, but any other time of trouble he will go on to face. And by the way, they are numerous. What about us? The question becomes from this scripture, what about us and our own response? What does it look like for us to bless God with our whole lives as David proclaims? I think the first step is for us to just notice our blessedness, to realize exactly how blessed we are. We have been given the gift of breath to fill our lungs and motivate us forward, and that is a gift that we take for granted until you're at my house this week when half of us have colds and one of us has an ear infection and breathing isn't all that easy. We have the gift of enjoying a sunset, of turning on either the air conditioning or heating in our houses. And we have the gift, especially this day, of gathering around a meal called Holy Communion where we commemorate the work and ministry of Jesus on our behalf. Out of an awareness of our blessedness, we return blessings. Out of an awareness of our blessedness, we return our thanks and praise to God. Out of an awareness of our blessedness, we lean even harder on God and trust more completely. And out of an awareness of our blessedness, we look around to see the ways that we can bless others. Not in the Steph Carroll, bless your heart kind of way, but actually bless others. Not in a cheapish kind of a way, but really to proclaim God's blessings over somebody else because God's blessings are always meant for us to share them beyond ourselves. No matter where we find ourselves, no matter how we find ourselves, we have been blessed by God with a challenge to then go forth and bless others. Again, not in the Steph Carroll kind of way, not in the bless your heart kind of way, but in a way that actually proves to someone else that God is with them too. Let us go forth from this place and be a blessing to others. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, we just give you thanks for our blessedness in your sight. We give you thanks for the gift of your enduring presence and promise to be with us in the midst of all of life and for the way that we live that promise out by noticing you and seeking to be your presence for somebody else. God, as we go forth into this week, no matter what we face, may we realize that you are with us May we recognize our blessedness when we recognize the gifts from your hand. And may we be inspired to share and be a blessing to someone else so that all may know of your love and care made known in Jesus Christ and through us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.
I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.